<laughs> um, no, honestly, uh, as the host of Exploring Washington State, I'm going to be remiss and say I don't know where Acme, Washington is. Ooh. the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. All right, we're going to get started. My guest today is Kate Voss. Kate and I have been talking for a couple of minutes where I was explaining how I'm out of it today, so I'm warning everybody. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Kate, Kate, Kate has uh, agreed to be on the show and to share her musical journey story with us. So, Kate, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to ask you to kind of tell our audience a little bit of your background. Okay. Hi, Scott. And you, can, nice and you can go back as far as you want. Oh, you know, yes, yesterday or you know, <laughs> you know, just whatever. So, it, well, I've been uh, very fortunate to have been in the Seattle music scene um, for the last 20 years. Um, I moved to Seattle when I was 18 um, and did a lot of music before then, you know, in high school and grew up, uh, you know, singing and playing piano in our church and little old Acme, Washington. Do you even know where that is, Scott? So when I think of Acme, I think of the old Roadrunner and Coyote cartoons. I'm yeah. sorry that I'm that old. <laughs> um, no, honestly, uh, as the host of Exploring Washington State, I'm going to be remiss and say, I don't know where Acme, Washington is. Ooh, well, <laughs> I was born and raised in Acme, Washington, and uh, it is a tiny town off of Highway 9. So, you okay. do know where Cedar Woolley is? I do know where Cedar Woolley is. Okay. Well, if you go north on Highway 9 from Cedar Woolley, you will drive right through Acme. There's no stop light, nothing. So, if you blink, you will miss it. Um, so, I grew up there and I, um, you know, started playing music when I was pretty young. My dad uh, was a musician and he encouraged all of uh, me and my five other siblings to play music. And so after moving to Seattle, fast forward, um, when I was 18, um, I started uh, playing in a few bands and then began teaching piano and voice at Westside Music Academy, which is still up and running. They've been uh, going strong for, I think, 22 or 23 years. Um yeah, and then uh, took the plunge to be a full-time artist um, almost eight years ago with my husband, Jason Gessel, on guitar, and uh, we're still going strong. It's pretty pretty awesome uh, life, very different than <laughs> the before times, but... Um, yeah, right, so pretty I, grateful. Got, you've, you've, already, you've already got questions now, so... <laughs> Why would you want to leave beautiful Acme, Washington? I mean, in all seriousness, since I don't know much about it, and you're described it as no stoplight. How many? Pe how many? Did you go? Is there a high school there? Did you go to school in Acme, or did you have to go to Cedar Woolley? Or well, there, there's an elementary school in Acme, okay. so I went there. Okay. To start, and then um, uh, there's a high school, middle school in Deming, Washington, famous okay. for the Deming Logging Show, and right. that was a about an hour bus ride for me um, yeah. to get to school. And so I went to junior high and high school there. Okay. Um, Acme has got about 250 people living there, which is nice. Um, okay. If you are into that kind of small town thing, which, you know, I, I am, I feel like I've come full circle now just being older, but um, 
you know, when I was younger, I definitely was like, get me out of here. Like I want to see the world and live in the big old city. So. so what, so one takeaway from your childhood, then I'd like to know what was something cool about Acme as a kid? Oh, well, we lived on a couple acres and so we had like lots of forest and we had a pond and like we had, I, I had countless forts out in the woods that we would build. And like, I mean, I have, like I said, five siblings. So there was just a, a lot of companionship with my brothers and sisters and we would play outside all the okay. time. Yeah, it was really fun. So at 18, you moved to Seattle. There, there couldn't have been any culture shock there coming from, <laughs> you know, two acres of woods and pond to, to whereabouts uh, in Seattle did you first live? What areas of, of town? Uh, well, I landed in West Seattle, which okay. is arguably the best Seattle, as they say. Um, and I lived there for uh, many years. I, I at one point I ventured out and I got a studio apartment in Capitol Hill because I thought that's where all the cool people lived. And so I wanted to be cool and uh, realized after, you know, my car got broken into and um, my rent was super expensive. I was like, you know, what? I maybe not be that cool. Okay. <laughs> so I moved back to West Seattle and then. Uh, Whereabouts in the junction area? Or? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I lived right in the junction for a long time. And then I hopped over to White Center for a little while. And then uh, when my husband and I got together, I moved all the way to Ballard. Oh, my gosh. So I lived there for a while and I worked at the Sloop Tavern. Have you been there? I have not been there. Oh, no. you have to go. It is okay. the greatest. It's the oldest bar in Ballard. Okay. Why do I not know about this place? Because I, I, I used to, I used to go... Obviously, if you look at us, I'm obviously much older than you. Um, you know, we used to go to like the Ballard Firehouse uh-huh. or um, the, um, why do I always blank on that? Is it the Underground that was there? Oh, I don't Ballard, know. It was this really cool venue down down some stairs in in this interesting building. And hmm. I, I'll find it. I, I Every time I think about it, I can't remember. It. And then somebody goes, oh, it was called something. And I'm like, and it just. <laughs> but we used to we used to go to a lot of places in Ballard, but I've never heard of that. So where where in Ballard is well, it? It's kind of off the beaten path. So you've got you know Ballard Avenue, which has like the tractor and um, the sunset and all these great. awesome venues mm-hmm. and bars. Uh, but then if you're on Market Street and you're heading toward Golden Gardens, mm-hmm. um, it's all the way towards. Do you know where the Taco Time is there or the Climbing Gym? Do I look like I know where climbing gym is? <laughs> Taco time, of course, but climbing gym, no. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, so, well, it's it's down there towards Golden Gardens. It's not all the way at okay. the end on the water, okay. but um, it's across okay. the street from the lock spot, which is also. I know, I know, I know. I've driven past it. I, I know have. I have it. Yeah. Okay. So you worked there. I worked and- there for like ten years. That's actually where Uh-oh. Jason and I started her relationship he would show up okay. on my shift on sundays and he just started calling me sunday so that's where sunday uh, of sunday uh, mr gessel came from okay okay <laughs> all right so these are cool stories all right so i i lived in west seattle for a while too and i i enjoyed living there and um i, I would probably agree with you much to the dismay of many other people that i think west seattle is kind of the, the coolest part of seattle it's pretty great I, and it's a pretty cool place 
so while you were working, you were doing music. So what sort of, cause like if I'm looking at your website, which is over here on another computer, so I have to be rude and look over here. That's okay. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you, you guys are both, both of you were highly prolific in multitudes of, of, of acts. So have you always been that way? I mean, where you're doing a bunch of different music concurrently? Um, well, kind of, yes. Um, I know Jason, um, has just kind of always, I mean, he's a musical genius. I mean, he, he wouldn't ever say that about himself. He's very, I think his website does say that <laughs> I am a musical genius. I, I, I think I saw that. <laughs> I, I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, but he's like, I, I mean, I've never really heard anybody play guitar like Jason and the variety of styles that he is able to execute is just kind of astounding. Like, you know, obviously Seattle is full of insanely talented musicians. And I think Jason's just kind of up there in, you know, his versatility is just kind of unheard of. Like he can play Brazilian music on his, you know, nylon string guitar. Let me, let me stop you. Yeah. I saw that. And so what is Brazilian music and why does it get its own category? Uh, well, I mean, it's music that comes from Brazil. If we want to be some talk semantics <laughs> here, but um, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, a very specific style. Um, there's a lot of really amazing composers coming out of Brazil. Like, um, uh, oh my gosh, now I'm blanking. Um Antonio Carlos Jobim, just to name one, uh, a lot of yeah. salsa, uh, some sambas and uh, bosses yeah. and things like that. So there's uh, a very specific like rhythmic pattern um, that okay. Brazilian music has. And then also just on that nice like nylon string guitar is just kind of that quintessential uh, Brazilian sound. Okay. Um, and a lot of like he used to sing or he played with a singer who would sing in Portuguese, Michelle Nevedo. Um, wow. And that was just such a fabulous duo. And that's actually the first time I heard Jason play was when um, he was doing a duo with Michelle. And um, yeah, so that's just a very specific um, type of okay. guitar playing um, on a specific type of guitar. Mm -hmm. And okay. a lot of people get really good at that. And that's what they do. But mm -hmm. Jason is really good at that as well as playing, you know, surf music and jazz and rockabilly and country music. Like I just, I'm astounded at his versatility and like mastery of mm -hmm. these styles that people, you know, get really good at this style. And that's kind of what they do. He's able to do it all. It's pretty, pretty amazing. So yeah, he's always kind of been sought after because of that. Uh, so he's, been in several different types of bands and he has let me tell you he has a guitar for every single band <laughs> that he was in so um so yeah he's that's his lifelong story mm -hmm. is like he's just always been doing that and for me i've been you know interested in all different kinds of music as well um earlier growing up and things i was uh, really into country and uh, pop. Uh, so I did a lot of that. And then, 
when I moved to West Seattle, I started taking vocal lessons from Greta Matassa, who's an internationally acclaimed uh, jazz vocalist and teacher. And she is really the one who opened up a world of jazz to me, which, you know, I knew about jazz, but I didn't really know Mm -hmm. much about it or how to sing in a jazz style. And she really helped me uh, develop my voice and uh, fell in love with jazz at 20 and just really haven't, uh, I mean, I, I still do other things, but, um, it's kind of my main passion now. Okay. And jazz is a, you know, a, a catch all to me, jazz is a catch all name. There's so many different yeah. genres within it. So that even though it's only four letters, it's a huge word. Yes. Um, yes. Very much. Like, so let me like get you to narrow it down. Okay. <laughs> you know, what, what, I, you know, for those of us that don't know jazz very well or music very well, sometimes it helps to ask you to compare yourself to a well-known performer in that genre, which is not fair, sure. but but it's, it's my show and I can be unfair. So who would you, who would you model yourself after when you were getting started? How's that? Who, who, where did you get inspiration? Oh, that, that, that's a great way to put it. Um, well, Ella Fitzgerald is just a great example of somebody who I, I admire. I, I would love to be able to sing like Ella and have been striving to sing like her, Mm -hmm. um, since day one. And she's also an artist that can kind of reach over and grab people who maybe don't like jazz, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, because she's just such a playful and uh, enamoring singer. So Ella Fitzgerald is definitely one of my biggest inspirations. Um, And uh, I got really hooked on a lot of the older jazz, like a lot of vintage stuff, you know, fifties and, and before. Uh, So Onita O'Day is one of my biggest um, inspirations as well. Just her phrasing is just very different than anyone else I've heard. Um, And uh, people, I mean, I'm not saying I sound like Billie Holiday, but people have said that I sound like Billie Holiday. Um, And that's really just another kind of phrasing thing. And also the timbre of my voice. I don't have a big, huge, you know, powerhouse kind of bring the house down kind of voice. It's more of a softer, subtler style. So those, those are my top three. I think um, I would, I've studied jazz piano as well. And I think that the the thing that kind of hooked me with jazz as um, a big generalized genre is just the ability to improvise and kind of sing what I wanted to sing instead of being like, this is how the song goes and you have to sing it like this. Right. Um, and I've just kind of carried that with me uh, even into other genres. And I've, been borderline criticized sometimes for being too much of a jazzy singer in other genres, but I don't care. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, with any art form, um, sure. There are people that could copy, you know, a guitar player note for note, mm-hmm. play it without, I mean, technically they can play it, but there's this, there's always this lack um, just because you can play the note or sing, sing the song verbatim, if you will. Mm-hmm. I always like it when I don't want to say always I find it interesting, creatively interesting when a, when a performer makes a song their own. Yeah. 
you know, if it's not an original piece, if it, so if you could sound like Ella note for note and regurgitate, don't get me wrong. You'd make a fortune sounding like Ella Fitzgerald note for note. I mean, can you imagine what your career would be like? If, <laughs> geez. Um, but, but taking, taking one of her songs and using that as a jumping off point. Yeah. Is, I think pretty cool. And Ella's, I agree with you. I think Ella's a very easy way for somebody to listen to jazz for the first time. And, and that's not familiar with it and, mm-hmm. and go, Oh, I can, there's something here for me. Whereas um, other, other performers aren't quite as accessible to the novice ear. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's a so, great way to put it. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, do you know who McCoy Tyner is? Yeah. So, I don't know. Has it been 15 years now? Probably 15 years ago, I was chauffeuring and uh, I, I got to pick McCoy Tyner up at the airport Whoa. and take him to his hotel and then take him from his hotel to his uh, performance at the Moore Theater. Awesome. Okay. And I didn't, well, so the company I was working for, they, they told me, okay, this is who you're going to take. So I, I went and looked him up. I didn't know who he was. And I was listening to some of his music. Oh, this is kind of cool. This is interesting. And so I pick him up and I pick up his bass player for the show at the airport. And we're in this Lincoln town car, not like a stretch limo, but just a town car. Right. And mm-hmm. so I've got the guy's stand up bass kind of wedged in the front seat of the car, you know, and, and I think he was pretty nervous that it was out of his hands. And they're, they're talking about, I guess McCoy played with, with Coltrane. Uh-huh. And they were kind of describing going across America in a station wagon. <laughs> wow. and, and I'm listening to this, like, you know, kind of just as I'm driving and behind me, they're talking and I'm listening to this story and it was just fabulous. Well, anyway, um, I drop him off at the hotel and uh, he he asked me if I wanted to go to the show. And I'm like, I can't because the, the company kind of had a policy. We, we couldn't take gifts like that. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, and he's like, well, that's okay. And, and so anyway, so the show, he goes and does his show and I'm parked in, you know, in the Moore Theater, the alley in the back of the Moore Theater. Yeah. Right. So I'm parked back there in a, with the Lincoln town car and, you know, I'm wearing the, the chauffeur's garb and there's this 10 year old, I'm going to guess the kid was 10, 12 tops with his mom mm-hmm. with some albums. And, um, they come up to me and they go, are you here to pick up Mr. Tyner? And I'm like, yes. And do you think we could get an autograph? I said, I, I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, we chatted for a couple of seconds. Anyway, he comes out the stage door off the back and I come up to get him. Cause you know, how old, you know, he's in his late seventies, early eighties at that time. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I said, there's this young, I don't do autographs. And I'm like, I'm like, come on, it's just a kid. And there's, you know, it's, He's like, I don't do autographs. And I said, he's got your albums there. And he goes, oh. And so I, I kind of, you know, he wasn't being rude. He was just kind of sharing the story. I don't do, right? Mm-hmm. So I got him over there and the kid kid was just like, you know, almost crying. He was so happy. Oh and he was, a, he was a total fan, had all the albums. And they ended up talking for like 15 minutes. It was really kind of fun. Wow. But the story there, so anyway, when I... I dropped him off at his hotel. We shook hands and I just realized, you know, I was shaking his instrument. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, his fingers, like, I, you know, I was like, we're like, oh, be careful. Very cautious. But, <laughs> but the point is, is that for me is like, I went and, and I went down the rabbit hole of some of his music. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that, and I'm not, I'm not a performer. Um, and for that, trust me, we're all grateful. Um, but I like the fact that you, you know, you reference these, these, these icons and I've listened to your stuff and not all of it. I can't say that. Um, what are you doing on. with your life? Come on. <laughs> yeah, can't profit, can't profit. But you know, I like the fact that I like, yeah, well, I, I like, I like what you guys are doing. It's kind of cool. Thank you. And um, anyway, we're, I'm rambling here in, in, in taking over your words, but um, I just think it's kind of cool that you've, you are too jazzy. If you want to come back and say, you know, if people say that about, you no, don't, don't, please don't change. I, I like that delivery and, and that you're doing that whenever you're doing. So there you go. Thank you. For five, five minutes, I just rambled and complimented <laughs> you. In a back okay. Well, I agree. I, I just played the more actually, which is funny that you brought it up. I just did the, uh, Patsy Klein tribute show on Friday. Wait. Okay. How'd that go? Friday? Two Fridays ago. I can't remember. Okay. It was great. Yeah. I'd never played the more before. So that was really awesome. And now I know McCoy Tyner played the more too. Wow. I could say I shared a stage with Bob Weir's played the, the more theater. Oh, nice. Do you know who Bob Weir is? I, I know the name, but I can't, I don't know who's Bob, popping up. Bob Weir, Bob Weir is the, uh, was the rhythm guitarist for the grateful dead. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And, um, we had a guest on, um, I don't know, a while ago and he's a bagpipe player. Nice. Was it and Kevin? No, it wasn't Kevin. Okay. And uh, anyway, I go to the guy's website, right? Here's his bagpipe player's website. And I go to it and there's a picture of him standing there playing his bagpipes on stage with Bob Weir and Don was. Wow. And it was at the Moore theater. Nice. And I'm like, you got to play with Bob Weir. Cause I'm, I'm a. You're deadhead. Yeah. I'm a deadhead. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I'm like, you guys but the more. <laughs> The, the, and it all makes sense now, right? Um, it's Jerry Garcia band art back there. So um, anyway, anyway the more is cool. So I normally ask these questions later, but since you just kind of brought that up, I'll go here for a second. Okay. As a performer. Yeah. In the Washington state area, because this is all about Washington state. Yeah. Do you have a favorite venue to perform at? Well... I mean, I love the triple door. Um, that's probably my favorite place to go see a show as well to perform. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they've got just great sound. It's a great room. It's not too big. It's not too small. It's like, I do love, you know, that people can eat and drink there. Um, Mm -hmm. because I feel like that, that makes just for more, a fun time, I guess, for the audience. Like it's like, I'm pretty, a pretty casual performer anyway. Like I Mm -hmm. call people out, I engage with the audience. I like, you know, a lot of use a lot of spontaneity and improvisation, not only in my singing, but in like what's happening around me. So to have people like living it up out there, it's pretty fun. Um, Okay. I mean, just now playing the more was you know, obviously kind of a dream come true as well. Okay. Um, but I think the triple door has got to be my favorite. W- any others, any other strong contenders? Ooh. Um, Hmm. In Washington. Oh man. I'm blanking again. There's, there's gotta be tons of awesome places. I mean, well, how about this in Washington? Is there a venue that you haven't played that you'd like to play? 
there's, let's see, the Mount Baker Theater in Bellingham. I would love to play there. So if anybody's okay. listening, it's booking there. Book Sunday, Mr. Gessel. Um, <laughs> and uh, maybe the Fox Theater in Spokane. That would be just a total dream. That's a beautiful vintage mm-hmm. place. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm kind of smitten with vintage style. I'm sure you've noticed that off of my mm-hmm. website too. Like I just yep. love that kind of whimsy of vintage style, vintage hair, vintage makeup, vintage clothes. Like mm-hmm. I just, that look is just really special to me. And so um, playing at vintage theaters that are kept up is just kind of my favorite place to play. So what about the Paramount? Oh, yeah, the Paramount, for sure. I guess I just never, like, I guess I shouldn't put limits on myself. I'm just like, no, oh, I could I never mean, play there, but I probably, I could. I could play there. Yes, that's, a, that, that's a beautiful venue. That's oh, a cool venue. So, the Fox so gorgeous. Is, the Fox is nice. I have not been to the Mount Baker, but, um, okay. Now I'm off my question routine. So you've, we, you've, <laughs> Sorry. You've, you've, I'm keeping you on your toes, Scott. Yeah, well, no, see, I don't improvise as well. I, uh, <laughs> so... so well, let's just jump ahead to eight years ago when you guys decided to go full-time yeah. artist. Yeah. That had to go without a flaw, super easy. <laughs> Everybody does it. No problems at all. Yeah. It, gigs never get canceled. Um, nothing, nothing ever goes wrong. But in all seriousness, <laughs> what sort of challenges have there been as a full-time performer? Well, um, you know, I would say the biggest challenges, and I'm sure every uh, full-time artist or working artist would agree with me, would be the financial aspect. Um, You know, when you are doing something as a, a part-time, a hobby, a passion project, you're able to kind of keep that project as, you know, your passion and do it the way you want to do it. Um, But when you, you know, bring it into as a full-time profession, you have to come at your art as a business or Mm -hmm. it's not going to work unless you're, you know, a benefactor of, you know, lots of money, which we aren't. Um, and so I think that uh, kind of right out right out of the gate, uh, both Jason and I, you know, we're not spring chickens and we weren't eight years ago either. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I was, I had just turned 30. I mean, looking back, that's pretty young, but you know. That's pretty young. Sorry. It's pretty young. <laughs> 30 is young, but it, it's old enough to, you know, I'd had a, a decade long teaching career and I'd been in, you know, just tons of bands and performing around. And I was old enough to know that, you know, we weren't going to do this one thing and be famous and make music the rest of our lives. Like it, it, we, we knew enough to know that, um, uh, we weren't gonna, you know, some scout wasn't going to come see us and we're going to be famous one day. Like we had to have a business plan and a way mm-hmm. to move forward with our music as a business to, to have success. And I think that, um, you know, 
that learning curve of having it be like this fun thing that we do, um, you know, once a week to we need to be performing five nights a week. We need to make X amount of money to pay our bills and we need to make sure we have a marketing strategy and what are we doing for our taxes and how are we classified, you know, as a business to, you know, get a business loan or what do we need for our business and how are we moving forward with, you know, X, Y, and Z, do we book out, you know, a month away or do we book out a year away? Where, how, who's going to manage our tours? Um, what's the itinerary for the tours? How many places can we stay for free because we don't have any money? Um, how are we staying healthy and positive during all of this? And like, you know, how do we get backing? And at the beginning we did a lot of, we did Kickstarter to do our first Mm -hmm. album, which we released seven years ago. Um, so that was kind of the the jump start to our touring, and um, you know we started out just asking friends in places that we knew uh, to book us, and we didn't have any sort of minimum. You know, we would play for tips, mm-hmm. um, and you know try to get a guarantee here and there, and we would. And you know the evolution from starting there, taking every single gig, working every single day to make it work. To where we are today, um, we are still working every single day. We don't really take days off. Um, but anybody mm-hmm. who owns their own business knows that you don't get to have days off really. Um, but you make it work because it's your passion also. Um, but, you know. Well, and you don't have to be there from nine to five. No. No, you, know, you don't. You don't have, you you don't have do a get commute. You to pick your you own want. hours. Um, right. But sometimes it's like, ooh, this thing has to be done. And my boss is going to be really mad at me if I don't get it done. And my boss is myself. So it's tricky, but you know, we've built, we've built something and we, we started at it as with a business mind, even though obviously this is all we want to do is perform music. And the most fun part of the whole job is that we do get to perform music, but the admin side I think is, is something that is kind of, underestimated with a lot of people because I've had so many people ask me like, how do you tour so much? And how are you, you know, I mean, we, we make six figures as a, as a business in music, which is astounding to me. Like when we first started, it wasn't like that. Um, And we've built it up and that's just like kind of the biggest advice I give people. Like, you know, you have to look at it as a business and how are you moving your business forward rather than I just want to play my music. Like if you want to just play your music, you can do that. There's a lot mm-hmm. of places in Washington to do that. But if you want to have it be your full-time career, you have to look at it so differently. I, so I got a, a couple of questions out of that. Okay. So are you, are you, do you have somebody booking gigs for you or are you guys doing all that? We do about 95% of our booking and we have um, a couple of agencies um, based out of the Midwest that do uh, booking for us. Um, But for the most part, it's been uh, me um, and Mm -hmm. Jason does some booking as well, but it's mostly me and we do, uh, we've done like booking conferences in the past and showcased at like Arts Northwest and a Montana Performing Arts Consortium and things like that, that get us linked up with um, like artist agencies um, that present music or art and other forms uh, to theaters around the Pacific Northwest. Okay. 
So when you got started, you said you would work for tips, you know, no, no minimum type thing. Yeah. Without necessarily naming a venue, you can name the venue. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. You can name the venue if you want or the event. It's fine, but you don't have to. Okay. There must have been a train wreck or two in there. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All, any, all the any, time. Any, any bad stories you want to share that are somewhat humorous now? Oh, man. Looking back on them? Yeah, I mean... Well, there, there's this one, oh my gosh, we actually never ended up playing the gig because okay. it was, it was such a train wreck before we even got there, but it was like this, like sandwich company that reached out to us from Utah that was like, oh, we like, it looked like they did some research. Like they, they knew we were coming through. Uh-huh. And they were like, oh, we want you to play for this, our sandwich shop. And we're kind of like, okay. <laughs> and they were like, we pay 150 bucks for like three hours. And we're like, like okay. <laughs> um, and so we're trying to figure it out. But like they only would book us if we had filled out their online form. And we would have, we had to link I can't remember if we had to link our bank account to them, like so that they oh. could pay us directly or what it was. But I was kind of like, this sounds kind of shady. Like, I don't know if I want to do this. And then like I researched it and it seemed legit. And I actually had other friends who'd performed for them. But for some reason, like we just kept missing each other. And I realized that I'd spent like three hours just trying to fill out the damn form to play this <laughs> stupid gig that I was just like, Oh my God. Like, and I just was like, I'm done. And then that was kind of my epiphany of just being like, I don't, I don't want to do shows for that long for that little money anymore. Mm -hmm. And then I decided to raise our minimum okay. to, I think it was like 200. I was like, I'm going up to 200. Like it has to be at least this. And then later on it was like, okay, 300. And then later on it's like, okay, it's 500. Now I'm like, okay, it's 2,500 bucks. If you guys want to hire us, like this is how much we uh -huh. cost. And we bring the professionalism, trust me. So, and that just also weeds out any weird scammy type of people right. who are like, oh, like I want to book you. I'm like, nope. <laughs> Don't waste my time. <laughs> So it's, it's so funny because, you know, creative type people, uh, first off, you sound like you guys have, you know, your financial head on your shoulders, which is not always common with creative type yeah, folks. Yes. We're lucky and, we're, I have a partner who. Right. Helps. But, you know, but you probably know a lot of acquaintances that, in, that are creative and they just don't have that financial savvy. And that's no judgment, just kind of reality. Sure. And what I've always watched is people like that. And they, they let's say they're, they're comfortable billing at 150. Mm -hmm. And you talk to them and you say, you know, you really should bill 300. Oh, oh, no, no, I can't. Oh, uh, and, and, you know, you, you have to drag them kicking and screaming to get them up to 200 and then, you know, incrementally. And, and honestly, I think I, I like what you're saying about here's our rate. This is what we do. This is what you'll get. Mm -hmm. Here's our contract. Let's go. Yeah. Nope. Oh, okay. Next. Yeah. So you guys, so you're handling 95% of your booking and scheduling. How far out are you guys booking? Are, well, and that's probably a tough question because <clears throat> they're you know, COVID. Yeah. <clears throat> mm -hmm. But 
in in a non-pandemic world what's ideal for you uh ideally we like to to book about a year to 18 months out um wow and that just kind of helps us plan for what uh what we're doing our routing where we can find you know the anchor gigs that are going to help us you know go this way or this way or decide mm-hmm. which way we're going to go and how we're going to do it um and you know you're right this last 18 months has been just brutal with booking and then canceling and then booking again with hopeful eyes and then <laughs> canceling, canceling again and then you know and a lot of it's unfortunate a lot of um establishments have like gone out of business and um you know just aren't functioning anymore because it, like for example we had this uh performance scheduled in florida for january and we were a little like okay do you think this is going to happen and you know they reached out just a couple days ago to say it's not happening mostly because some of our board members have covid and are in the hospital and uh you know the other remaining members are just like this is too much it's too much to do as a volunteer board member Mm -hmm. um to make these things happen. And, and, you know, that to me is super, super sad because a lot of the arts programming is just being completely squashed out because, you know, (laughs) this never ending pandemic. Right. And that's kind of how it feels here too. So how did, how did you guys adapt? I, you know, I've seen some of the things you're doing. So, you guys seemed pretty creative though, as a way of, of keeping the microphone on, if nothing else, you know, and performing. Yeah. Um, we, we just, oh, we have a, we have a guest. Who's our guest? Oh, this is my dog, Jackie Osasis. <laughs> of course she has a pun name because I like puns. There we go. Um, okay. So we decided, you know, when, <laughs> when everything kind of hit and you know, our album release for our latest album was scheduled at the triple door on March 19th, 2020. So that was a real supreme bummer to have to cancel well. that show. Yeah. And you know, that whole week we were just holding on cause it was that week of like, are things going to happen? Are things shutting down? What's happening? What is this virus? You know? And um, we ended up linking up with Loudswell, which is a live stream platform uh, based out of Washington um, to do a live stream version of our album release instead, which was great. It wasn't what we'd prepared for, but um, Mm -hmm. you know, we made it work and then we just kind of decided from then on out, we're like, however long this is going to last, we need to, we need to outlive it and we need to figure out how to continue our business and our life and our lifestyle and our livelihood. Um, and so, you know, we were living in our RV at that time and our friend who we parked on her, in her driveway, shout out to Carly. Thank you. Um, she was like, well, you have wheels, like you have your own sound system. You've done these outdoor concerts before. Like, why don't you just go around and do these curbside concerts for people outside that are safe and people can distance and do their thing. And I was just blown away by how many people responded to that. And we ended up doing two, this is our second tour, um, 
second summer of doing groups at concert tours um, where we've done, gosh, probably like 80 concerts on the road, just pulling up in our RV, doing a show and having it be socially distant and safe. It's been really awesome. So that's been one of the things uh, that we've been doing. And then uh, we've also been doing dedication videos. So mm-hmm. uh, people will get a hold of us and ask us to do a specific song, usually for anniversaries or birthdays. And uh, we did some for graduation and I've actually done a few memorials as well, um, where we will record um, the song of their choice and do a video of us doing their song um, and then interject photos and little videos and little messages and stuff from the, from the giver to the givey. And that has been also just awesome. So did you have the video editing skills to do this at first? <laughs> nope. <'Cause>, okay. So <laughs> One of the gain skills over COVID for sure. Okay. So you, you now can add, you know, singer video slash videographer to, to your, uh, your resume. Yes. Yes. And, um, you know, we've been recording all of our, uh, we've been doing this single, uh, project where we release a single month and we've been recording, mm-hmm. you know, while we're on tour with our, um, our, uh, universal audio thing. And, um, um, Jason's been teaching me how to record as well. So we've both been engineering and producing, just a lot of stuff. I mean, with normally we do like 250 shows a year. So, you know, we've dropped our performance. You, down. Wait a second. I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah. Pre, Pre-COVID, you guys were doing 250 shows a year? Yes. Sometimes more. But that was the average. Wow. So what I don't understand here, and this is, you know, this is, we're getting away. We're, we're talking business now, not music. But how about the business of music? <laughs> How are you managing to coordinate the the administrative part of that, much less the performance part of that? Well, like I said, I don't take days off. <laughs> I I understand that, but I mean, my gosh, the because okay to to perform two hundred fifty shows, you booked more than two. You had more than two hundred fifty conversations. Mm, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Somebody reached mm-hmm. out to you and said, "Hey, we'd like you to play our sandwich shop," and you say, "Sorry, no." Mm-hmm. That took time. Mm-hmm. So, how are you? How we? You must be remarkably, like, brutally efficient. Uh, well, I think that that is one of the skills that I've developed over the last eight years of doing this. Is just, you know, being really succinct and to the point. I mean, I I feel like I could give classes in how to write an email. Um, just to be like, Hey, here's what we need. Here are the things. And can you please get back to me by this date? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, I've learned that it's really quite amazing what you can accomplish when you ask for what you want. Mm -hmm. And that was something I didn't know how to do before this. Like I was, I was the the one kicking and screaming going, Oh, I can't charge $300. I'm not worth that much. And I, I learned that I was worth way more than that. And that, um, the skills that I can bring to mm-hmm. this business that we're, you know, pushing through is, is pretty, are pretty valuable at this point. Um, so well, that's, that's super impressive. So these curbside concerts, mm-hmm. 
go back. You know, sorry, That's grind okay. the gears here. Um, how long are they lasting typically? We try to do about an hour long concert, and that seems to be kind of the right amount of time for people, the audience. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting, like, you know, for a while we were like, oh, we, we haven't been performing much lately. Like, it seems so weird to be performing again, but people haven't been out to a concert in a long time either. And so people are having a hard time like knowing what to do socially and like, Oh, where do I sit? And like, do I get close? <laughs> like, how do I do this? Like people are very awkward um, coming back into the, the live music and event scene. So um, yeah. we, we, the hour long is kind of like the right on the money. Cause people will start getting antsy and they're like, Oh, I have other things I need to do. And Oh, I've been around people. And uh, like, it's <laughs> that's usually what we end end with. But um, there's some, some clients that are like, we want to do a two hour show with an intermission or, you know, it kind of depends okay. on, you know, who we're performing for. If it's for a family, we can do longer right. because, you know, they're around each other, but block parties <laughs> are different. I don't know. So, Well, it's funny. You're, I'm laughing because uh, we had some um, friends of ours um, that used to be in Washington and they, they moved down to Arizona. And so they came back up for the Labor Day weekend mm -hmm. and, uh, they were playing at this private party in, in the Cleelum area. And I didn't realize it until you just said it because they were also playing the next day over in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And normally I would be like, well, let's go to both. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I don't, you know, and I didn't realize it at the time. Yeah, you're right. I'm not used to it. I'm not, what are, who are all these people? And why are they around yeah, me? Yeah, <laughs> I feel like people are getting socially like, uh, like inundated with like just, you know, people and events and like people are getting overwhelmed very easily. And mm -hmm. I mean, myself yeah. included, like anytime I'm around a lot of people, I'm like, I'm just feel like my energy gets sucked and I just want to go back home and put my sweatpants on like most people. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, who was the, the, what was the music you were going to see? Uh, do you know, um, his name is Steve Pearson. Steve Pearson. I don't, I don't think he do. was, uh, he was in a, a Seattle band in the late seventies and early eighties called the heats. Mm. And then, um, then, uh, the next band out of that was called the range hoods. And so I've watched Steve play since 1980. Oh, cool. <laughs> so yeah, 40, 40 plus years. <laughs> and, um, it, there's lots of long, I mean, we, I could, you know, we could now talk an hour about that topic, but <laughs> um, yeah, they put together this, um, this impromptu show. And do you know um, uh, a band called the pop-offs? I've, I've heard of the pop-offs. Yes. Yeah. So the guitar player and the bass player were, um, and who I've never seen before, they were there. And so, nice. Um, so Steve and his wife, uh, were, were playing and singing and then a, their friend who's a drummer in the Cleomira and then, um, another guitar player out of Yakima. Anyway, it was just at this guy's farm on the river and it was a great place, right? It was, it was wonderful. But at the same time, I was like, it was exhausting. Yeah. It was, it was immensely exhausting for me. Yeah. And I think you were in the same boat as everyone in the whole U.S. Like yeah. it's just exhausting doing things that we all used to kind of take for granted. And now we're like, Oh my gosh, like it's a lot. We're out of shape, yeah. you know, social shape. 
Yeah. So I, I like this idea though, the, of the curbside concerts. That sounds kind of fun and mm-hmm. in a neat way for you guys to uh, perform and, and make a living. Yeah. It's been Have, great. Did you do much recording? I mean, are you guys, yeah, you said you're putting out a song a month, mm-hmm. but but pre pre pandemic, how often were you putting out music? Well, I mean, we have we have six albums out right now, okay. Um, okay. so it's been you know the first one we released seven years ago. So we're and we're working on our seventh right now. So it's it's kind of been one a year. Um, okay, uh, but with the singles project, I'm, it's feeling like so much more. I don't know. I've never, we've never worked uh, an album like this, like mm-hmm. li- releasing it one by one and coming out the songs kind of very, very differently. Cause um, this whole project kind of came about because we got a lot of really good requests from our Patreon members. Um, mm-hmm. And so we were like, Oh, let's just like make some fun singles. And we got linked up with color red um, which is a record label and distribution uh, company based out of Denver. And we okay. hopped on their label this year, which is really awesome. Um, and so they were like, oh, we want you to release a single a month. And we're like, oh my gosh, we're already doing that. Um, <laughs> so um, so our project's kind of aligned. And, okay. um, and so it's been really fun just kind of working one song at a time and really diving in and, and making it really sound the way we want. Um, I feel like in the past when we've gone in, we've recorded mostly with Rob Davidson over at um, Nell's Motel, which is an offshoot of Avast and uh, Ballard. Um, and we love working with Rob and we love a studio, but, you know, we allot ourselves, you know, these five days in the studio and we have to get crank out, you know, 12 songs in these five days. And it's like, oh. you know, sometimes I'm sick or sometimes, you know, we don't feel like <laughs> doing it. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's just hard to give yourself that time and then, um, and then be like, okay, you have to have it done by this time because, you know, studio time is costly and, and, you know, we're on a deadline. I mean, one time we recorded at a different studio and came to another studio and the other studio engineers, like we can't use any of your lead vocals. And I'm like, that's 12 songs. And I recorded them all over in one day, which was insane. So all of that is to say, it's really nice to just focus on one song at a time and really be choosy about, you know, how we're arranging it and how we're mixing it and, so far I've been just totally smitten with all of these songs that we didn't even pick. Like there are other people who are like, we want to hear you do this. And I'm like, okay, let's try it. And it's been really fun. So do you guys do a lot of, I mean, recording equipment's gotten so, I don't want to say cheap, but you know, garage band is pretty powerful for free. Sure. Yes, you it's know, gotten um, very accessible, I think, is yeah. what you're trying to say. So do you do a lot of, your, do you work these songs through, like, recording them on your computer and, and running them through, say, you know, I'll just say GarageBand or Pro Tools or something yeah. like that? Or? Uh, kind of, yes. So we're, we're working okay. in Logic, and, okay. um, and basically we both, well, and we bought a, uh, a couple of really fancy recording microphones, which was 
part of our big purchases from last year, um, we just needed to do a big upgrade on Mm -hmm. a bunch of equipment. So we got a a new laptop and we got new uh, recording microphones and... um, what do you just out of curiosity? What do you guys? What did you guys get? We got um, the Atlantis mic. I'm trying to remember what it's actually called. Um. Anyway, it's an Atlantis that is. You, you didn't know. You didn't know this would be like you know twenty questions the hard way for you, did you? <laughs> didn't prep you for that. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> it, it, it's like a really fancy condenser mic, like that will pick okay. up just all of the little nuancey things, which I really like. Um, just as I said before, I'm just a very subtle singer. And so mm-hmm. having uh, that ability to kind of pick up the little tiny things is awesome. And then we also picked up um, an ear trumpet lab uh, mic, which okay. are, are you familiar with them? They, I'm not, I'm not. They're a company out of Portland and they yeah. get ready for this. The most Portland thing ever. Um they make microphones out of old bicycle parts. <laughs> and so they're very- Since this is an audio show, folks, I'm making a really puzzled look on my face yes. right now. Just just to give you context. <laughs> what? Okay, you ha- you please elaborate. So they use like these old I'm trying to see if it's in here right now. Like I want to show it to you. Anyway, you'll have to look it up. Um your okay, lab. So they use like these like recycled like bike parts to make um these really vintage looking mics. And you know, okay. the, the technology is kind of vintage too. It's like those um the type of mics that just pick up like a trio of singers, for instance. So like people right. can stand around the mic and kind of hear um the sound equally. Um uh so it's used a lot in acoustic music. So that people can like hear the mandolin player or whatever it is. Um, right. But I just realized like I really kind of like the 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 quality of sound that comes out of the ear trumpet lab, and it also just looks really cool. So we use it a lot for thinking. our live streaming and things like that. All all I can think of is it's going to have like Schwinn on it somewhere no. or something. <laughs> just, there's not I'm like sorry, a bike like, chain around it. <laughs> that'd be kind of funny, you know, a couple of pedals on it or something. I okay, well, I will go look that up. And uh, I have not heard of them. That's kind of cool, though. I like that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty niche company. Like we bought the Myrtle. That's kind of their main model. And I think that Myrtle, the Myrtle, I know it's even like the a Myrtle. vintage name. I love it. Yeah, I know the Myrtle. <laughs> um, and like, I think we have, we have like microphone number, like 8,214 or something. So they're not like a crazy huge company selling millions. Not of, like sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Wow. Or Sennheiser. Shout out. Right. Brought to you by. <laughs> <laughs> this is a sure. Um <laughs> So at the time that we're recording this, you guys are migrating east. Yes. We'll call it migration. And even though you've left Washington, you, you'll be back at some point in the future. We'll just leave it at that. Definitely. Actually, we're going to be back in March for sure. We have okay. shows lined up so over there. So what's what's the near future look like for you? What's, what's on the horizon? Oh, my gosh. Well, um, you know, it's it's a little bit of a scary time because um, a lot of the stuff that we had booked for this winter are starting to cancel. So mm-hmm. we're trying to figure out what we're doing. Um, 
uh, we just got asked to open for the Cherry Pop and Daddies in oh, okay. uh, Montana for New Year's Eve. So we're trying to kind of build um, a little tour out mm-hmm. um, from Wisconsin because everybody wants to drive from Wisconsin to Great Falls, Montana in the middle of winter. Oh. In an RV. Yeah. Oh, we're not taking the RV. There's no way. That thing cannot take ice. We'll take the car. It's fine. We've done that many times. Um, So, yeah, we're trying to build out a little bit of a tour there. Um, We have a few more singles we're supposed to be releasing. And then um, I'm also working on a book that's going to be coming out next year. Oh, yeah. A a book on? Um, It's a, a melodica book, actually. It's one of the main instruments I play with Sunday Mr. Gessel. So okay. I can't talk too much about it because it's not public yet, but okay. it's very exciting stuff. Stay tuned. All right. Stay tuned. <laughs> you look like you're going to ask another question. <laughs> I, well, I, I always will ask questions. That's just kind of what I do. Yeah. Um, I think I asked you, I think I asked you this to kind of prep you on it before. I hope I did. Well, it doesn't matter. It's, you know, that's half the, that's the beauty of a, of the show. If the questions don't Improvised. work. Improvised. Oh, well. That's good. Right. Um, are you a fan of coffee? Oh, yes. Uh, so I thought you were going to say, I was hoping you, or anyway. <sighs> any coffee recommendations in Washington state that are maybe off the beaten path? Ooh, I've got a great one. Uh, it's okay. in Ballard. Well, it's more like maybe, Fremont, it's on the top of the hill. Uh, Lighthouse Coffee Roasters. Have you okay. had Lighthouse before? I have had their coffee somewhere, but I don't remember where. Okay. Love Lighthouse. They're great. Um, and then I love going to uh, Cafe Fiore in Ballard also, oh. which is great. And I think they have uh, Cafe Vita coffee there. Mm-hmm. I think they do. Which is have you Have you ever tried Mabel? Mabel? No. I don't even know of Mabel. It's uh, um, what street is it on? It's just north of Ballard. Um, oh jeez. Anyway, it's a it's a pretty eclectic little coffee shop awesome. that serves uh. Oh no, I can't even remember what brand of coffee they serve. I I should know <laughs> you because should drink it was some coffee got, and then tell well, me. Well, I should. You know, I've had a lot of coffee today, but it's just not working today. It's, it's just the, the, decaf. They snuck your decaf. I, I, I somebody somebody snuck decaf it on me. Yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a coffee roaster out of Seattle. The guy used to be a coffee roaster at Starbucks. Oh, He's cool. friends with a good friend of mine. Um, and Mabel's kind of a cool place to go. So when next time you go in, back into Ballard, look up Mabel, and you, I think you might enjoy it. Awesome, I will. Um, that's that's my little trick. How about food? Any any cool uh, places? Well, that we that somebody might not have heard about before. Okay, I've got a couple. Um, okay. For let's see, my favorite place to go when I'm in Seattle is uh, Plum Bistro, Capitol Hill vegan comfort okay. food amazing oh my gosh okay. the best have you been there oh you have to go i have not oh, no i have not just go so why should i go? talk talk me into oh going. okay the vegan mac and cheese that's all i have to say i know that those are oxymorons like you don't really put yeah. vegan in with the mac and cheese situation but this particular mac and cheese is to die for amazing okay. Um, so I highly recommend that place. Everything that I've eaten there has just been the most delicious thing ever. So I love plum. 
Um, and then West Seattle, uh, I, I have to give a shout out to West five cause they have the world's greatest nachos. Um, okay. not vegan by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Amazing. And then, um, my favorite Thai place to go to in Ballard is Pestle Rock, which is on um, Market Street. Okay. I don't get over to Seattle very often anymore. We, we left the west side for a little over four and a half years ago uh, to move over here to the middle of the state, which I love living in Wenatchee. Oh, nice. But, but Wenatchee does not, how do I want to say this? overwhelm me with high quality restaurants yeah so, so i'm always vicariously living through my guests like where do you go to eat please tell me please say how something. did it taste um, <laughs> yeah how was it <laughs> and 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 it's but the fun thing is is like when we do get over there then we we typically go try you know we try to go try some of these places that which i wouldn't like plum would not be on oh, my list of places you to have try. to just, put it just, on your list just, yeah yeah, but now now I will. I will add it and we'll give it a try. So that's always fun. So I always feel like I should have asked some question that I didn't ask. So I'll turn this to you. What should I have asked you that we didn't talk about? Oh, boy. Um, hmm. Nothing? I don't okay. know. I don't think anything. All right. All right. So let me let me give you the last word here. Where can people... Find your music, listen to it, find out more about you. Um, you have a Patreon account. We didn't talk about that. Yeah. How's that working? I'm always curious how Patreon works for people. Uh, it's it's great. And it's actually one of the one of the things, uh, you know, in addition to the curbside concerts and the dedication videos that is helping us a lot continue mm -hmm. to be full-time artists and bring, um, you know, this music to everyone. Um, we have about 82 Patreon members and um, it ranges from $2 a month to $100 a month. And we wow. have some pretty um, awesome perks depending on, you know, what your budget is and how much you want to support us. Mm -hmm. So uh, the top people, the $100 a month get uh, a free concert one a year. Oh, wow. So we'll come to your house and do a curbside concert. Or that's cool. You can gift it out to someone else. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then there's other levels that you get a dedication video included. And some of them you get song mm -hmm. requests, things like that. Um, we're actually just about to do a big campaign for our $20 a month level um, where you will get a copy of our newest album, which is the culmination of all of our singles, projects, ending in March of 2022. So you'll okay. get a copy of that um, signed by do you, When you say album, do you mean actual vinyl press? Well, we'll see. We'll see if we, okay. um, if we're able to raise enough money to get it pressed. Um, we'll definitely make CDs. People still buy CDs somehow. I don't know who I'm, has a CD player out there, but I don't have one I don't, anymore. I don't, either. I don't. But everyone, I have thousands do. of CDs. <laughs> And I don't have, I don't have a CD. I mean, they're all burned. I've got them all burned on my hard drives and all that. Yeah. But I, my car has a CD player. Oh, I guess I can go. listen to my car. There you go. Yeah, I don't. Our computer used to, you know, our computers used to have. You know, yeah, I know. Well, yeah, computers okay. don't have um, CDs anymore. Yeah. You know, it's like Hard the disk. floppy disk going out of style. <laughs> yeah. 
Anyway, you could find out more about me and my husband and our dog, Jackie Osassis, at funandfancymusic.com. Funandfancymusic.com. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. That's a good name. Thanks. It's easier to That's spell than Sunday and Mr. Gessel. <laughs> so how did we... Okay, so you, you kind of, at the very beginning of this, you kind of, I think, uh, explained it, but let's let's wrap up by explaining how did you come up with that? How did that name come together? And, and one question I didn't ask, that's actually really interesting. So you, you met at a bar. Well, uh, well, he start, you said he started coming in on Sunday, on your shifts. On yes. Okay. Yes. When did you guys start playing music together? We kind of glossed over. Yeah. That. Okay. Well, here's, here's the story succinctly in chronological order. So I saw him perform at the Bonton way back in, the day free lard doesn't exist anymore but and he was performing and i was just like oh my gosh that guy is so good at guitar this is crazy i've never seen anyone play guitar like this a couple months later i ran into him at a party and i just tapped him on the shoulder and was like hey like do you want to play jazz with me and he was like yeah um and so we started playing music together just he had a studio in ballard so i would just go down there and we would just realize that we both really really loved the music of the 1930s like very okay. specifically and so our first two albums were only songs from the 1930s um and so we just started practicing that and like gigging once in a while like our first gig shout out to shadowland in west seattle was at shadowland and okay. um after about nine months of you know, just kind of playing a little bit and having like a show or two. Um, uh, I asked him out and he said, yes. So okay. we went on a date and like go. our first date, we just kind of knew that we were meant to be cause we worked together and been friends and, right. and that was it. I moved in three months later. We got married the next, not the next year, but you know, pretty soon after okay. that and just have been doing this ever since but yeah he would he'd come into That's the cool. bar like while we were practicing um he would just come in every sunday and he just started calling me sunday that's kind of why i asked him i'm like you know i think he likes me <laughs> it turns out he <laughs> okay. really really liked me so i was, oh, was good okay that we went out so that's a cool story yeah but the so the name you guys just decided to take the nickname and yeah Sunday add it, add it yeah. yeah and then the Mister Gessel thing is like like I went to New Orleans early on in our relationship by myself and um I found this record there called Mister Roberts plays guitar and I just was like I like I just gave it to him I was like ah, I just think like it, you know it was um. God, what is his first name? Now I can't remember. Anyways, great guitarist. And I thought he would like the record. I'm like, you should be Mr. Gessel. Like, it's classy and, you know. That's so. actually cool. That's a cool story. Yeah. So, Sunday, Mr. Yeah. Gessel. There we are. Well, I appreciate you being on here. This has been fun. Been and we'll fun. put links to your music down below. Um, I'll get a link to your Patreon account and put that down below awesome. so somebody can check that out as well. Cool. And, uh, and, uh, I'm looking forward to next time you guys come back through. If you're, if you stop in Eastern or central Washington, make sure you let us know. We, we do travel to go see music. So, I mean, we'll even travel the West side. I mean, let's be fair, but, um, <laughs> we, uh, you know, we travel, my wife and I, that's what we do. We like, we both like to go see music so, awesome. um, and hear music. 
it's so funny to say I, we go see music like well, yeah i mean i know what you mean you know, just but, uh, like the, but, uh, the live music experience is different than listening yeah, to it absolutely. on a cd yeah so uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> what are those <laughs> and where do i play it <laughs> Well, it's a pleasure talking with you, Scott. Thank you for having me on the show. Thanks so much. (laughs) Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.